Well, I'm surprised you didn't get more email from last week's show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just the one. Nobody cares that we're dead. <laughs> just goes to show you. If we ever die during the podcast, nobody's going to notice. This is the AT Banter Podcast, a balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Fleury, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. We are alive. Uh, <laughs> and when uh, I say your fur is looking luxurious. Why, thank you. I conditioned it this morning. Uh, my name, of course, is Rob Minot. Joining me in the room, Mr. Ryan Fleury. Hello. The vampire Ryan Fleury. And Mr. Steve Barkley. That's Frankenstein's monster to you. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, we are not dead. We, uh, For anybody who maybe didn't realize that we were just acting uh is that what that was called that was that's <laughs> yes we were acting because i'm sure we fooled a lot of people with that incredible <laughs> yeah incredible case, little radio play that we did last week in case you missed the halloween episode uh the halloween episode proves why we are not voice actors <laughs> it oh oh does it <laughs> Oh no, Ryan has turned into a vampire. <laughs> what can we do? Get a steak. <laughs> How to kill a vampire? Wood. We don't have any wood. Use a drumstick. <laughs> Not the cowbell. Okay, that's enough. Yeah, anybody who's curious, you Check could it just out. go back to the last week if you want a, a cringe-worthy radio play. It is by far and away our silliest work. Yeah. Wait, wait till the elves appear at Christmas. Oh yeah. <laughs> how did, how how was everybody's Halloween incidentally? I'm still eating chocolate. Yeah, that's good. Almost yeah. done though. Yeah, I've uh, I've eaten my body weight in, uh, in Halloween. Candy did you have a lot of? Did, did you did you overcompensate with candy this year, or did you? Yeah, under, a little bit. We yeah. uh, we had 162 kids to the door. Damn. Um, and that's, uh, of course, not counting the ones that washed out because they were afraid to come down. The <laughs> Tunnel of Terror. <laughs> but, uh, Which yeah, is, let's, okay, I, I just want to explain for anybody who maybe doesn't know what the Tunnel of Terror is. Explain. You're not saying it right, it's The Tunnel of oh, Terror. Sorry, uh, explain what that is. Okay, so the uh, our, our um, walkway that leads up to our house, um, we've got a railing on the right-hand side, there's a garden on the left-hand side. Uh, and you walk up our walkway and turn left into uh, our place. The door door's on the left. So what I do is I take PVC piping and I put it over top of the walkway and then I cover that in black plastic and I fill it full of things that are uh, sound activated. So some of the sound activated things, if you move very, very quietly, they won't go off. But oftentimes when one of them goes off, they all start to go <laughs> off in a row. And this year, Jackie was very sneaky. She put a, a sign on the door that said, knock loudly if you dare. <laughs> and, and sure enough, people are pounding on the thing. And that is all it takes to trigger the motion-activated giant spider, which, <laughs> which then leaps from behind them. And it's, it's tethered to the top of this uh, PVC framework. So it rattles the entire tunnel of terror when it goes off. It also makes these horrific screeching noises <laughs> as it goes off. Jeez. So... I regularly get screaming in the Tunnel of Terror when that thing goes off. And uh, because there's screaming inside the tunnel, it causes a lot of kids to pause at the entrance <laughs> to the tunnel. Uh, this year I was uh, I was working in the kitchen and uh, I had the uh, kitchen window cracked open a little bit. And that's the window closest to the entry to the uh, tunnel. And uh, I was hearing a lot of debates of, I don't want to go in there. So, Come on, it's fun. <laughs> Buck up, kid. Uh, uh, yes. 
And then how much was the counselor that you had to like at the end, <laughs> yeah. at the very end of the tunnel and terror that has to like counsel them with P- PTSD? Well, it's funny because we get, we get these little toddlers down the end, you know, at the door and they are wide eyed and looking around <laughs> and they've always got a parent with them who's going, it's okay, buddy. It's okay, buddy. It's okay. It's okay. It's like, just, dude, uh, you're going to have to pay for therapy later. <laughs> just think of the Reese's peanut butter cup. Just That's think right. of the pe- Reese's peanut butter cup. <laughs> Good Lord. Hey, Steve. Yeah. Hey, um, what are we doing today? That's a good question. Uh, <laughs> you both suck. Today, we are meeting with Javier Pita. He is the CEO of NaviLens Technology. Ah, uh, yes, NaviLens. I, I watched the, uh, I did a little bit of research over the weekend and, and uh, looked at the website, and I have to say, um, I'm excited about this. Um, this is really cool technology, and I can't, I, I can and can't believe that it's not more widespread and and well known. So, uh, it, it's uh, we'll just we can talk about it, you know, when we bring them on. But uh, it's it's basically they've created a, a new a new kind of uh, QR code, um, and the the thing about it is that it's you f- cameras can pick it up from quite a distance. Um, and you don't even have to be like straight on like normal QR codes where you have to like line it up into a certain part of the camera, which I know a lot of, of lot of, um, blindness technology has, has used QR code technology and, uh, like I've watched Ryan try to use it. It can be real, real flaky cause you got to line it up real, really specifically in order for the, the app to recognize what, what you're looking at. Apparently, this technology not the case. You can be at an angle, you can be, you know, fairly far away, and it's still going to read. Uh, well, well, now te- don't don't steal Javier's thunder. <laughs> well, listen, I love stealing people's thunder. I don't have any thunder of my own, so I got to steal somebody's. You don't need thunder. You got a cowbell. Very true. Uh, hey, before we do that, though, there's uh, you want to talk some news? We got news. Yeah, let's do it. Legally blind man denied what he says he needed to write exam files human rights complaint. So this is uh, this is from CBC News uh, posted a few days ago in his Toronto office space. Jacob Chardinoff tackles his workload a little differently using an enlarged screen and magnifying software on his computer and iPhone. He might take a little longer to respond to emails but he otherwise works for a successful business in Toronto's Yorkville neighborhood. Chardonnay was diagnosed at 15 with Stargardt's disease, a genetic disorder that results in progressive vision loss. He has no central vision, but he can use his peripheral vision to complete most tasks with the proper accommodations. The 28-year-old says he feels his human rights were violated when he applied to write the first level of the Chartered Financial Analyst exam with the Chartered Financial Analyst Institute. He says the Institute denied him the tools he needs to write the test on the same playing field with other candidates. Quote, I asked for reasonable accommodations that had been provided to me in the past for testing requirements, Chardonoff said in an interview with CBC News on Tuesday. He said he was completing a preparation course for the test at the University of Toronto, where they were able to meet his needs. Now, he's filed a complaint with the Ontario Human Rights Commission. Chardonoff asked for more time to complete the test, a private room, the ability to use a computer or have the test printed in size 32 font, and permission to use a digital calculator on a tablet that he can zoom in on, rather than a traditional financial calculator that he isn't able to see clearly. Chardonoff said he had an optometrist provide a letter stating his condition and his needs, and it was sent to the Institute. The Institute agreed to more time and a private room, but said it was unable to allow him to use a digital calculator for security reasons, and the test had to be printed in size 16 font due to formatting. The emails show that the Institute went on to offer Chardonnay a magnifying glass that was inspected and improved, and access to a reader and scribe, someone designated to read aloud and write the answers on his behalf. Quote, I had never used these accommodations before, end quote, Chardonnay said, adding that he felt the offer of a magnifying glass was 
belittling. In further email exchanges, Shardinoff asked for a chance to complete a practice test to get used to the tools he had never used before. The Institute denied the request, saying that he could arrive 30 minutes early the day of the exam. In the end, Chardonoff decided not to write the exam, which was scheduled for June 2019. In an email statement to CBC News, the Institute said it cannot comment on individual cases to protect candidates' privacy. Quote, we can tell you that when we evaluate accommodation requests for testing access based on disabilities, we follow the law and we aim to ensure that every applicant has the ability to sit for the exam and be graded based on their skills and knowledge and not be held back because of any disability, end quote. What do we think about this? Well, they have a duty to accommodate. Um, they have made an attempt to accommodate, but the accommodations were not successful. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like, it sounds like the, real, the real catch was the, the calculator yeah. and the, the font of the actual test. Right. Fair it's enough. a tough one. I mean, we don't we don't know enough of the details mm-hmm. from that story to really take a side, I don't think. But, you know, my my knee jerk reaction is they they didn't do well enough. Right. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I would agree. I, I mean, the big one is the font. Yeah. I mean, it's not hard to change the font of, of a test. And it sounds like the, the reason why they didn't is because it, it broke the formatting. Right. The formatting. Uh you know, I, I've I've run into that. You know, as as graphic designer for an assistive technology company for years, sometimes that happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just you 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 change the font, and all of a sudden it it breaks your pretty formatting. Sorry, you just have to go back and redo it. And sometimes you would have to maybe redo the test in a thirty-two font and lay it out again. And yeah, that might take somebody a little bit of time but it's not impossible it sounds like they just didn't want to it's like oh well we can only bump this up to 16 before it breaks the formatting so i guess he's out of luck yeah yeah, that was the big one it sounds like he's used to using a cctv as well Mm -hmm. a cctv possibly in that situation could have could have helped um certainly not uh, a but, uh, a, but a handheld magnifier and a 16-point front? <laughs> uh, no, not with some of the star guards. I mean, that's not going to do no, you any good. No. Um, you know, they, they, this, this is a, a, an eye condition which is, is progressive and, you know, gives you less and less central vision. So he's dealing with peripheral vision. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with peripheral vision through a tiny magnifier? Yeah, exactly. You don't. And that's, you know, again, that shows a little bit of, um, of, a, of a disconnect um, with the with the institute because they don't even really understand his eye condition uh, in order like just you can't just throw necessarily a, a handheld magnifier at somebody and go oh you have low vision here you go this will this will make it better mm-hmm. you know it's clearly not you know the reader and scribe thing I'm assuming that that's kind of how they used to do things before the advent of assistive technology <laughs> yeah like well, hey we'll just have this person in the room and you can just tell him your answer and he'll write it down for you and he'll read you the questions. I mean, if you're not used to that, I, I, I totally see that guy's point. It's like, I can't just walk in and, and do a test like that and expect to, to do well. Yeah. It's not fair. It's again, it's not an equal playing field. Yeah. And that's an accommodation that's typically used for people who have other types of print disabilities, not necessarily blindness and low vision. Yeah. No, it's, it's, Probably not the right accommodation. I mean, you wouldn't expect an able-bodied person to be like, okay, you're going to take this test now. I know you've studied, you study for it now, but we're just going to put a blindfold on you and put a person in the room with you and you just tell him the answers and he'll read you the, I mean, you can't, you, you would never put anybody else in a situation like that that's dramatically something that they're not used to. Yeah, you're, you're shifting modalities on them and it, it, yeah. It's not going to work. So I think, it, I, I think it, a human rights complaint is fair. Yeah, and, and, you know, at, the, at the end of the day, unless, uh, you know, unless he really dropped this on them at the last minute, I think he's probably going to win this one. Yeah, I, I, I think I think so. Um, Bring in the Accessible Canada Act. Yep. Well, the that's the other component of this is that that maybe might make it a little bit complicated is that the Institute technically is, is, in, the US. is in the U.S. They're using the University of Toronto as a venue. But it really has nothing really necessarily to do with the University of Toronto outside of that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, it, it, it may be out of luck if it's... And maybe that's why he went 
the human rights route? Because I don't know, can you can you make a human rights complaint to across borders? Uh, that I can't tell See, you. I, I, mean, I wonder I how would, that all will work. If he was in the States, I would think he would have a complaint to file under the ADA. I think he'd be able to, right. to sue them under the ADA. But being in Canada, that law doesn't apply here. Exactly. So you're dealing with Canadian law, and I think human rights is probably the only route that he has. Probably, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, available. So, but again, you know, it, it bring into light these, you know, accessibility issues, uh, I think is always good. Um, you know, and again, got to get, got to get, got to sue in order to get attention. So, yeah, sadly. So, yeah, we'll have to keep an eye on that because I'd be really interested to see how this turns out. Um, I feel bad for the guy. I mean, you know, he had a plan. He studied for a year to do it and, you know, they pulled the rug out from under him. Hey, Steve, why don't you tell the fine folks about Canadian Assistive Technology? Well, Canadian Assistive Technology is a Canadian-based distributor of, guess what, Assistive Technology. I would not have guessed that. Uh, really? Oh, i got to work something better into the name then. <laughs> um, and uh, we do uh, all kinds of low vision and blindness aids, as well as all kinds of physical access aids and uh, accessible furniture, you name it. Visit our website at www.canastech.com. Rick, let me ask you about this. Chaos Technical Services. Chaos Technical Services. Don't sound so excited about it. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! (laughs) Speaking of repairs. We are the sister company to Canas Tech. Um, We do the repairs on uh, low vision devices, uh, uh, reading machines uh, for libraries, braille printers, and pretty well anything in between. We can be found at uh, www.chaostechnicalservices.com. Joining us now is Javier Pita. Hello, how are you? Hi, hello, how are you? I'm good, thank you, how are you? Very well, thank you. Greetings from far Europe. You are in Canada, right? We're in Canada, yeah. Greetings from the south part of Europe, the sunny part of Europe with 26 degrees. Oh, rub it in, (laughs) rub it in. You can can stop talking now. (laughs) You must come to Spain, to this part, it's lovely. Okay. All right, (laughs) all right. Road trip. (laughs) We... We take that very seriously, so get get the cots set up. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, hey, we, we want to thank you so much for taking some time out of your day and, and chatting with us. Um, you know, looking at the at the product uh, while I was doing the research, I, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty blown away by it. Um, it. It looks to be you know poised to to really be able to make a, a pretty big difference um, in cities around the world. Um, so given that, can you give us a little bit of an idea of, of the system itself and, and just a, a brief overview of, of what it is? Yes, of course. Yeah, we beginning with this uh, project uh, eight years ago at the, at the end of uh, 2011, okay? And we started to think about in a general problem for the visual impaired community. Okay, uh, the visual impaired community, where, uh, when uh, a, peop- a user is in an area that is unknown, uh, unknown space like a train station, bus station, a public building, uh, an unfamiliar uh, place, it's not possible to be completely independent. And the, one of the reasons is that it's not possible to read the signage. It's not possible to read the information that the signage has in, in this kind of spaces, okay? So our, our idea was, okay, why don't create something like the signage? Use the camera of the mobile phone uh, to read the signage information and deliver this information for a visual impaired person, okay? And we started to investigate and our uh, first idea was to use the QR code. Uh, but the QR code, I don't know if you know, and has 25 years ago, it's, it's a 25 years old was invented in Japan 25 years uh, ago. And the QR code, as you know, is not very easy to read by a visual impaired person, especially when they don't know where exactly is. Okay? And, and it's not possible to capture very quickly the QR code if you don't know where is the QR code. So imagine to put the QR code on the signage that normally is far away, it's in distance, it's... Uh, it's, it's, uh, uh, it's very complicated. 
So we decide to, okay, let's do, let's do it. And why not uh, to create a new kind of QR code that will be more easier for a visual impaired person? And we started to investigate, to research this with the University of Alicante. And we spent five years of our life in order to create a new kind of QR code that could be detected, scanned very quickly, very easy, without the need of focus or, or to frame. Okay? And after a lot of hard work and a lot of uh, errors, and uh, at the end of this long way of five years, we achieve uh, the, 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 the objective. We have created a new kind of QR code that, can, that is much superior to QR code, okay? And this QR code, this new kind of QR code that we call Labilens, is possible to read 12 times farther, far away from the QR code. For example, uh, uh, you are in Canada, use metric system, right? Right. Okay, right. So, for example, a 20 centimeters uh, code, Nobilens code, can be read up 12 meters, 12 meters away. And, and, and it's possible to read uh, without the need to have focused or in the center of the image with 160 degrees of angle between the camera and the code. Okay. So, the idea is with the creation of this new kind of QR code, that is, is like, for example, a visual braille or something like that. The user can use the mobile phone, the camera of a mobile phone, detect the code very quick, and read the information that contains the code. And it's a new approach, it's a new technology because we are using the camera in the same way that the sighted people use the eyes in order to read the signage information. Okay, and I think that this that could be a very advantage uh, feature in order to make this system universal uh, and, and, and a globally sorry success because it's uh, to make one space more accessible for people with visual impairments is as easy as to put the navigation codes over the currently six signage of the space and I think that it, there is not barriers about uh, scalability, about uh, cost, about uh, difficulty in order to implement this kind of technology in every place in, in the world. The, the stickers themselves that have the code on it, how big do they have to be in order for them to, say, work at, say, 12 meters? Do they have to be very large or, or can they be really any size for the camera to, to really register it? Okay, depending on the size of the of the Navilens code, could be read more farther or or, or at less distance, at least distance. Okay, so for example, the signage that we uh, have that, we, that for example airports and train station and metro station and big big spaces has normally is a big signage. Okay, is normally is a signage of 30, 40, 50, 60 centimeters, okay? And for example, if you, if one space of this kind, for example, an airport, put a navilens code on a hole or an elevator in, in, uh, of, 20, of uh, 30 centimeters, it's possible to read up more than 20 meters away, okay? So and the, uh, the size of the navilens code depends on the space that you want to make accessible with this technology, okay? So, for example, in, in the other way, uh, we have launched the, the personal tax. Any users that is, uh, listen, is listening to this uh, podcast can download for free a personal uh, Navilens codes. Uh, they can print in, in, in any material, okay, with a, a personal uh, printer a domestic printer, sorry, and the, the, this kit has a code of different sizes, has code of one code of 20 centimeters and has code with only three or four centimeters that can be put in, in for example, in tupper, in, 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 in folders and something like that, okay? So depending on the size of the, of the code, uh, the Navinus technology could uh, be able to read this information or not. So it's not even necessarily for navigation. You could use it for labeling things. Yes, yes, of course. The idea is 
is a, like a code, okay, that can be read very far away, very quickly, okay, and obtain information. We uh, we have implemented this technology in several metros, like for example the Metro uh, Barcelona Metro, and two weeks ago we have implemented this technology in New York in a J Street station, okay, and uh, integrating this code in the existing signage, offering. Uh, very important information for a visual person in order to get uh, the information, contextually elicit information about the place. Uh, in the other way, the, uh, the users can download Navilens code to use in the domestic ways. For example, in order to classify documents, to classify any information. For example, some users are uh, using this technology in order to locate uh, CDs or DVDs. Or, or, for example, some users are putting the code in the interior side of the of the clothes in order to identify some clothes of another. Um, so the idea is this code can be can be used for uh, improve the accessibility of the information in large venues like uh, metro station, train stations, okay, hospitals, hotels, and something like that, and can be used in the personal. Uh, Daily life. The other question I had, and I was kind of curious about, is there are so many different models of smartphones out there with so many different camera types and styles. Are there any recommended smartphones or cameras that you suggest people use? Okay, the good thing about this technology is that we have developed for iPhone and Android devices for uh, for both the devices that the user can uh, buy th these days. And the difference between one device and another uh, will be only the quality of the camera. Right. So, for example, if the if the user are is using an iPhone device, uh, is is uh, a newest device, the iPhone 11 or the, the one iPhone 6 or SE or something like that, okay? All the iPhones family have an incredible camera, okay? And, and, the, and these features like, for example, a 20 centimeters tag could be read up 12 meters. It, it will work in all these kind of devices. If the users are using Android device, it will depend about the quality of the camera. So, for example, if they are using the uh, our, our device with a very good uh, good camera or a very good, very good camera, they will achieve the same results of iPhone devices. Okay, but for example, if the user are using a very cheap Android device, like for example, a hundred dollars uh, American dollars device or something like that, they can uh, they will read the information, but at least distance will depend about the quality of the camera of the device. So the, the, the Navalens code, there's color involved in it. Um, so yes. I'm just kind of curious, uh, how does the, the color play into it? Is, it? is it each different color stores different types of information as well? Mm -hmm. A very good question. The, uh, we use colors, so that the, the traditional codes in the market, barcodes and QR codes, using only black and white, okay? And the problem is that only has a codification of, uh, is the same as the, the computer, say, zero and one, okay? And, but the problem is that you need a, um, a lot of zero and one, so white and black, in order to store information. We use colors in order to increase the dense of the code. So we use four colors instead of only one. Okay, and, and this uh, was designed specifically for for looking for a solution for this problem in order to be able to detect the code very far away. Okay, and and without the need of focus. Okay, and and for that reason we use colors. Okay, and the colors and that this uh, is uh, very difficult to detect with a camera, especially when the the code is very far away. Okay, this is one of the incredible things about the technology that we have developed after five years. Okay, and using colors, we have more density, and each color in each code is different. For example, if you go to Barcelona Metro and you are in a specific entrance you will see a Navilens code. 
This Nabil Scott is unique for this entrance of the Nabil, of the uh, Metro of Barcelona. If you go, for example, to the Museum, uh, Archaeological Museum of Murcia, and you enjoy the visit inside, you will see a code in the entrance. This is different code from any, any other. You will see another code uh, uh, telling you information about this, uh, the artwork or something like that, okay? Each navigation code in the market is different that is uh, implemented in public signage. And, but the codes that the uh, users download for personal use, uh, the, that uh, codes are the same and the users record, uh, uh, record information inside that code and, and we store this information in the Navilens app in order to tell to the user any information that they uh, store in it. So in general, each Navilens code is different and store different information uh, one from another. It, it seems to me that, that right now we're sort of in this space where uh, navigation is is really sort of an e evolving solution that that a, a different a, a lot of different technologies are sort of trying to conquer um, mm -hmm. you know especially something like indoor navigation um, yes. so and and beacon technology is definitely one that's sort of gotten a lot of play recently um, mm -hmm. Could you give us an idea of sort of what, what some of the advantages of, say, using this, the, the Navilens system has over something like beacon technology? Yes, it's a very good question. And, and the difference between our technology and the beacons is that the beacon technology use a radio signal, okay? So uh, a small device uh, with a, a battery that is called beacon, as you know, emits a radio signal in 360 degrees, okay? So when the user is arriving to a place when the beacon is present, they receive a signal and, and it's possible to say, okay, welcome to reception of the hospital. You will have the elevator and these stairs and these several places inside this building, something like that, okay? But the problem is that the users don't know exactly where is the elevator, for example, okay? But our technology use computer vision, use the camera of a mobile phone in the same way that sighted people see the signage. So when in this hospital, the Navilens code is, for example, over the elevator, into the elevator signage, okay? When the user detect the Navilens code with the camera of the mobile phone, the system will, will, uh, will transmit to the user, this is the elevator, will transmit the distance between exactly between the elevator and the users, and the users knows exactly the direction where the elevator is uh, between him and the elevator, okay? And this is very important because all the visual impaired test uh, users that are using this technology write us and, 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 and told us, okay, it's incredible because I know exactly the direction to the element that the, uh, with the Navilens uh, code, okay? And this is very important because the users knows where exactly is the element. They, they, uh, they know exactly where the element is. And this is uh, uh, the, the main difference uh, because we use the camera using a computer vision algorithm in order to read what is in front of the camera of the user. So the accuracy of the system in comparison with the beacons technology are incredible, okay? And the, and the other difference is, is, is like um, massive implementation. And when we visit, uh, we visit some customers, like for example, um, uh, transit operators, they told us, okay, we are very interested in, 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 in convert sign to do our uh, transit operation more accessible for people with visual impairments. But for example, with beacons, we are not ha very happy because we need to put one beacon in each part of the station or in each right. bus stop. And in the end, it's not the cost, the initial cost. It's the problem about the maintenance, maintenance the battery, break, uh, uh, electronic units that can break, uh, break and something like that, okay? So it's not, and the difference between our technology and beacons is first, 
uh, uh, Navinas technology offers a very accuracy uh, information for the for the users. And second, it's a economic economic uh, way in order to implement this massively because at the end it's a digital code or a vinyl code or a piece of paper code. Okay, that is integrated into the existing signage of this of the system right. and every place in uh, in the world has signage okay and this is the main uh, difference between this technology and the vehicles one thing i did want to ask uh, so the app itself um when you're talking about using it as because it really is it's a it's a you know it's a really it's at the end of the day it's a it's a navigational app and what what kind of also amazes me about it is that you also use um, the sound. That also plays into being a bit of a navigational aid because you use something that you're calling 3D sound. Can you talk yes. a little bit about that and, and how the sound itself can help yeah. navigate? Of course. And, and, and for example, okay, I have prepared a, a demo, okay, and in fact, we have created a code for you for this uh, for, for this podcast program, okay, that we have created. I can send you after the program. You can, for example, uh, print and try for yourself, okay? okay. And right now, I am I have the code in my hand. Okay, and I'm going to open Navilens app. Okay, so in the in the in, in the content of this code, I I put an, an imaginary elevator. Okay, uh, telling information about what is what uh, the information about in the first floor there will be the reception, and the second floor there's Navilens offices. Okay, so in in the 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 behavior of the application. When you open the application, and, and I have put in English, okay, because the application has support of 24 languages. And right now, I am going to point to the code that is very, very far, okay? And we are going to receive automatically direct information about this element. So the user, when they detect the code, they will hear this one. 29 centimeters away, elevator. First floor reception, second floor Navi Lens offices. Okay, so this is the, the the information. But for example, when the user can, for example, end uh, 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 to read that information, the user will receive information about where exactly is the code. For example, in the first stage, I'm going to configure it in the options. Okay, and then the, for example, that they, that tell me instead of sounds in vocal instruction. Okay. So I'm going to uh, point to the code. I'm going to put on the floor, and I will to uh, uh, read with my mobile phone. Okay. In front. In front. Okay. In front. Left. Left. In front. In front. Right. Right. Up. 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 Okay. Jump, so jump. The, uh, this up, right, left. Okay, is wow. when the code is in the left part of the. Uh, angle of vision of the camera on the right part or in the up part, okay? When you print this code, if you want to try the technology, you will see that this the accuracy is incredible. If you prefer for, put, for example, uh, over the door, okay, you will see that if you are going, uh, you are working to the code, in, in one moment, they will see up, 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 because the code is going up. You are the, the camera is capturing the code going up because you are going forward, okay? When uh, the user has some practice with the, with the accuracy of the, of the technology, they can uh, uh, receive the same information, but in, the, in a more efficient way. For example, I, I'm going to change to the sounds, okay? And the user will uh, read this, will hear this. This, this information is that this in front. If I'm going to go forward, the uh, frequency will change. Sorry, this is not because, okay. If, if I'm going for, uh, farther, the frequency change, okay, is uh, go, go slow, okay? You know, it's like, for example, the same uh, behavior of a, uh, of a car when you are parking the car, okay, you will uh, hear the sound more, more quickly, more quick, more quick when you are 
more close to the object. If the user are uh, uh, at uh, 40 centimeters of the code, they will hear this sound. One moment. I'm going to deactivate the distance information. Okay, sorry, one moment. If the user are very close of the, of the code, we, ha we heard this. Okay, that is meaning that is very, very close. And if the user wants to receive information, they only need to shake the phone, okay? To move the phone, the, the phone okay, in order to read the information. First floor reception, second floor Navi lens. Okay, and the other sounds is left, that is this one. In front, right, in front, up, in front, and down. Okay? So when the, the, the users have some familiarization with the technology, the accuracy is incredible. The user can know exactly the relative position between the camera and the code. So imagine that you are in an unknown space. You can know where exactly is the elevator, okay? The distance between the elevator and you, right. okay? What is and what is the angle that you are up, uh, arrive, uh, approximating or arriving to the elevator, okay? And all these kind of sounds are very, very, very helpful for uh, moving in an unknown and big space uh, uh, with this technology, okay? But in the other way, in, with this technology, the incredible thing is that, for example, we have put this in several elements that sometimes are difficult to, to know where exactly they are. For example, buttons. We, and, and, and I don't know if in your area, area, but in Europe, in some operations, you need to push the button to open a train door. Okay, and, the, and because when the train is arriving to a platform, the doors are closed. Right. And you need to know exactly where is the, is the, the, the button in order to open the, the, the door. Okay? Right. With this technology, you can put a navigation code over the uh, uh, door to open the, the train doors, and you know exactly where it is in order to push the button and open. Another, another elements, for example, like the help points in the underground, in the subway, and, and, and something uh, 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 things like like this. And when you, for example, use the, the blank tax for, for personal use, that you that any user that is are listening this podcast can download directly from the application and for free, of course, and they can achieve a record information in each Nabilis code, okay? And they can detect what exactly is that code in, for example, if you use the codes to put on the Tupperwares on the fridge, or you use the codes in order to, for example, put in a collection that you have or something like that. The sounds are the, the quick information to deliver to the user, okay, this code is in this relative position between you and the code, the distance and the angle, okay? What what's the cost to implement a system like this? Okay, it's, it's depend about, for example, the integration that is possible that the the customer needs. For example, I'm going to to read an, a real tag in a bus stop in in, in Barcelona. Okay, uh, I'm going to I'm going to read automatically. Okay, when I uh, see this code. Okay, and you will you will hear uh, something. Okay. Stop 3247, Gran Via Plaza Espanaya, next arrivals, line 13 Mercat Sant Antoni, 2 minutes, line H12 Besos Vernita, 3 minutes, line 52 PL Catalonia, 10 minutes. Okay, so for example, in this case, the users, uh, the, uh, for example, if the, the any visual users in Barcelona wants to get a bus, uh, with the GPS, you know that it's possible to arrive more or less close to a bus stop. And in the case of Barcelona, there is uh, some places that there is a lot of bus one uh, uh, next another, okay? So in this case, you, uh, you have heard that the technology helps to the users to know exactly with centimeters of accuracy where is the bus stop. And secondly, 
they know the next bus departures in real time. For if in, in this case, the Navinas platform, we have made an integration between the, the real-time information of the purchase of the bus with this operation and the Navinas code, okay? So in general, the cost of the implementation of this, of this technology that we only charge to the owner of the facilities or the owner of the space in the same way that, the, for example, that the, 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 the owner of the space needs to put signage to help sighted people in order to navigate in their system or their space, we charge to this owner the license of the technology plus the implementation that is required, like for example, this integration, okay? And it depends about a lot of factors. But in general, the uh, cost of this technology at the end in a, a in operation, like for example, the Metro of Barcelona that has an 160 subway station and has 2,400 uh, bus stop, in the end, it's the most effective uh, technology uh, to put because at the end, it's only uh, to, uh, it's, uh, it's as easily and uh, as to put an ambulance code on the uh, current signals. So the scalability of the system is very good for the, for the customer. And second, and a second thing that I would like to say, this technology was born uh, uh, looking for um, a code that could be read for a visually impaired person. But in the end, the technology that we have developed is so quick and that if you point to the uh, same code uh, uh, with the official application of Barcelona, in this case, Metro, and the user will see, uh, any user will see real-time departures independently that if they have or not visual impairments. So in general, and, and the technology is very appreciated for the owner of these kind of spaces. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it has. Yeah, I, I would. I would think that it has applications. You know, in, definitely in the mainstream as well. You know, as somebody who who takes the bus all the time, I mean, it's. It, it sounds like it would be so so much easier to just point the camera yes. and you can instantly yes. get all yes. the departure times. <laughs> And for example, one, one more thing, I'm going, I'm going to change, for example, my mobile phone. And I, 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 for example, I don't know if you have traveled to Japan, for example, sometimes or, or any time, Japan or an Asian country in general, okay? Or uh, for example, a, Japan, a Japanese uh, person is coming to Canada, okay? And they will, uh, they will in front, not, not only the visual impaired users has the difficulties, for example, a Japanese people that is coming to Canada is going to, uh, mm. they are going to see all the uh, signage information in English or in French or in English and French, right? Right. But, but the problem is that some people in Japan don't speak English or French, okay? And for, uh, for them, they have, an, uh, in this moment, uh, an accessibility pro uh, problem for them, okay? Independent that they can see or not see, okay? So... And I'm changing right now the, my mobile phone to Japanese. I'm going to read the same tag that I was uh, read uh, uh, to you in real time. The information that uh, we are that we are hearing is in real time, and this information in this time will read in another language. Let, let's let's uh, let's do it. Okay, so I, I don't speak Japanese. I don't know if you speak Japanese, but nope. okay. <laughs> but, in the, but in this case, okay, the same information is delivered in, in another language. So this is that. Yeah. Uh, so if this is a very attractive feature yeah. for the owner of the space. And the good thing about this is, okay. When we show this technology to uh, the space owners and we say it's very important to make the space more accessible for the visual impaired. In fact, it's our first goal. But when they heard about, okay, and Javier, are you telling me that this technology could help the tourists, the, the foreigners, the people that are using the, the, our system independently of the visual impairment? They go, yes. Okay, and they say, okay, this is very interesting too, okay? And in general, the good thing is, as the uh, owner of the space are interested in, uh, in, 
and that the technology could help to the all the customers, all the users, independently about the, if they have visual impairments or not. The good thing about this is the, at the end, we can achieve that some play, that the, the more and more places will um, uh, put this kind of signage, this kind of ten evidence code of the currently signage, and in the end, and when uh, um, if if we achieve this goal, we can uh, uh, create a more accessible uh, places. Okay. And, and in a, a very good uh, way. Uh, language barrier is definitely an accessibility issue as well, and yes. pretty much solves solves our problem in, in terms of signage. Did did that information yes. have to be entered in in Japanese, or is that machine translation? Yes, and the customers can put all the information in the twenty four languages if they want. For example, I suppose um, that in Canada, the transit, the official transit operators are uh, obligated uh, uh, to put information in English and French, right? Yes. Okay, another language in your country? Well, we have a huge Cantonese, Asian population, Chinese, yeah. so yeah, Mandarin Mandarin Chinese would probably be a huge one. So, the, the, the Navilis technology, they, uh, the operator can introduce the information in any language that they want, yeah. okay? For example, in your case, probably in, the, in Canada, the transit operator will introduce the information in English and in French, okay? But what happens when a Chinese user are coming to a bus stop in your country or a, or a platform or something like that, okay? And they can decide to put this information in, uh, in the same way that they put information in English and, and in French, for, uh, putting manually the information, or uh, they can put this information in Chinese if they want but but if they don't put this information in Chinese, the platform will translate automatically hmm. when a news and a user is requesting an information in other languages, and another language, uh, and uh, our technology uh, called to the Google Translator API that is a, 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 an API that works very well, very very well. Okay and they will deliver the, the information. One other, I just want to kind of step back real quick and just ask you a, a sort of a quick technical question. Um, mm -hmm. Because of the range that it's able to, to, to detect um, mm -hmm. the tags, what happens if there's more than one tag in that, in that range? How does, how does the app handle that? Okay, very good question. Pues in the same way that the site people does, and what is that? Okay. For example, if uh, I uh, I'm uh, working this to prepare real real demo. Okay. You can, for example, download if you want the, this Navigator code that I have uh, said about the school kit, and you can try for yourself. That is very important. I'm going to change again my uh, iPhone to uh, um, English because I'm not speaking Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> Neither. So one moment, I'm, I'm changing the, the language. Okay. So, if the camera of the of of, of if the Navilis app detect two codes, we introduce a quick sound in order to say there is another code, very quick, and the users can can know that uh, is able to know that there is another code in the exit. Okay, and the if the user requests the information about one of the code, the, the technology will say one of two or one of three or one of four, and they will receive the information or, or the code that is more, most centered in the camera. So it's, it's an incredible thing because if you have, for example, in your uh, right part uh, an elevator, uh, very close to this part, you have the reception desk, you will be able to know exactly where is the reception desk and where exactly is the elevator, and you can uh, read one or the another in, in another way. I, I'm going to, to demonstrate you in, in real time, okay? Okay, sure. So I'm going to open Navalance. Okay. okay, I'm, 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 I'm the reading option, and, and first I will introduce you the sound that the user will, uh, will hear when another code is detected in the same frame, okay? So, in, in, the, in the same way, 
I'm going to, to quit, so, so to disactivate sound mode, and this is the sound that the user read. Can you hear me? Yeah. So this is mean that this one, and I'm moving the, the mobile phone to the another, and when detect is doing that, okay? So if, if I see the, the two, I'm pointing right now to the elevator, okay? And, and what is that? One of two, elevator, first floor reception. Okay, and if I see the another one? One of two, video, contains a hyperdex. Okay, so <laughs> this sound, the technology, the, the algorithm that we have developed is so accurate that we can deliver the using information about there is two codes here, or maybe there is 16. For example, I have here a, a lot of codes on the on my on, on one piece of paper. Okay. And if I I see one of them, okay. One of twenty. Okay, you you heard one of twenty. Right. It's not the team twenty codes. It's not the it's not the usual case because you are going to to see one, two, three, or four codes right. in one space. But the technology is working so aggressive that you can distinguish where the code is and read one and read another one. Why don't you tell people where they can find more information about uh, Navalens, about the system, uh, if they're interested, or if they have any sort of questions or inquiries? Yes, and and the, uh, for any question, uh, uh, any uh, the people can write us at info at navilens.com. Navilens is is like navigate navigation lens. Navi n a v i l e n s. Okay, navilens.com. So info uh, uh, any user can write us at info at navilens.com. And, and more information about the technology is in, in www.navilens.com. But the one, our YouTube channel is a, is a very uh, good uh, way in order to have updates about new spaces, new, uh, the, the, the new location that we, where we are implementing the technology. But, import, but very important, any users can use this technology using the blank text download inside the app that is possible to download in the iPhone or Android in the in the in their in their markets. Perfect. And we'll include all, all the links uh, in our show notes as well. Okay, great. That will be very useful. Thank you. Javier, thanks so much for taking some time out to talk to us about the system. It sounds amazing. It, it really does. Okay. Enjoy that nice weather. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, we have, we have. Have a okay. glass of wine so, for us. Yeah, go have please, a sangria for us. <laughs> sorry, if you came sometimes to Spain, please let me know. Okay. Other than that, I, I, I can show you the, the, the incredible uh, country that we have, or, or you can visit the places that we are putting uh, with, uh, with the technology. So please let me know, okay? All right, set a table for three. We're, we're on our way. <laughs> okay, okay, I'll do it. Okay, thanks, okay. Javier. Thank we'll you. talk soon. All right, bye-bye. Thank you very much. Bye. Take care. You know, I was thinking about uh, the uh, different ways you could use this. Like, th think about a trade show. Mm -hmm. You know, normally we stand around at a trade show. People are wandering around booth to booth going, where's the uh, Canadian Assistive Technology booth? Well, we could have a code over top of our booth. We could also have codes on our T-shirts. Mm -hmm. So not only would they be able to find our booth, but they'd be able to find us. Right. Plus, you could have codes on every single product mm -hmm. with a brief, this is what's there, and a description. Yep. Because that's the next question is, what do you got on your table? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess, you know, one of the questions I was thinking about asking, and I didn't, and we can always ask him later, is, you know, he was talking about having the, the codes on the outside of buses, mm -hmm. on the doors and stuff. So can you print these on different materials other than paper, and how do you make them waterproof or weatherproof? Oh, I imagine you can print them on anything. I Actually, while we were doing the podcast, I downloaded the um, the app okay. and did the request for uh, free, uh, free labels. Mm -hmm. And what I got... So I got, it, it, they came in PDF, so presumably we could print that out on anything. Uh, but it's got one full page one, it's got one four per page one, 
it's got 116 per page, it's got 164 per page, and it's got 135 per page. Hmm. So I got a ton of, mm-hmm. of these these labels in varying varying sizes. And granted, it's for personal use, but it's uh, it's a, it's an interesting way that they're going about it. You know, the the first one's free heroin marketing. I always like that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, uh, they've got links to uh, uh, where you can buy special pre-cut adhesive paper from Amazon. Uh, so yeah, you know, you could well, even something like you know, like the vocal event coming up. You know, you got yeah. stairs going down, right? You're at yep. vocal You've got stairs going down, door in front of you. Yep. You know, male bathroom to your left in 40 feet, female bathroom to your right in 30 feet. Yeah. You know, like all that navigational directional information that, you know, we as visually impaired have no access to, Mm -hmm. you know, like a beacon will get you there. But then after that, you're you're on your own again, right? Like we have no idea how to get to the bathroom, how to get to the bar, how to get to whatever. So something like this would, would get you there. Mm Mm-hmm. At first glance, when I first looked at it, I thought, okay, well, this is this is cool. This is like labeling. It's like any other QR code, great. You can scan something and it'll tell you it's a can of beans or whatever. Mm-hmm. And this is cool because it it works from a from a distance and it doesn't require you to have, you know, be centered in perfectly on the on the code in order to read it. Without even really considering all these the, the navigational elements that are also in there, which really takes it to a completely new level. It really does make it um, just as as um, versatile as a as beacon technology, and yeah. able to deliver that in a way cheaper format. You know, you think about something like a trade show. People are wandering around; they're trying to find our booth. So you have a code over top of your booth. Yep. Now people can find your booth independently. Yep. Then the next thing they want to know is who's at the booth. Well, we could all be wearing a, a printed one on a T-shirt. That's right. And it could tell you exactly yep. who you're dealing with, Yep. who's there, how far away they are. Yeah. I mean, there's 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 tons of... And the only question that I, I didn't ask uh, that I should have, now that I think about it, is just how much information can each code contain? Yeah, that that's a good question, and I imagine it's probably because it's cloud stored. I imagine it's probably fairly fairly large. Large, yeah. You know the fact that um, they were also able to tie it into the the transit systems, um, you know, schedules, schedules yeah. um, is pretty impressive too. It also shows you that their their the back end must be must be fairly yeah they've robust got a, as well yeah. Um, and just like just from a, a mainstream application, like for example, the way that the Vancouver Transit works is that if you're at a bus stop, every bus stop has a has a number, mm-hmm. and what you can do if you're at a bus stop is you can go to the TransLink website, and it, there's a next bus field, and yep. you can plug in your stop number, and it will tell you okay, the next bus is due there in 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. But that's all. It's all very clunky, and it's all stuff you have to do. With something like this, uh, you could literally just, you know, open open the Navilink app and just scan take it. a scan it, and it'll tell you, oh, the next bus is in fifteen minutes. So there's all kinds of, of really interesting applications for this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the fact that you know you could tag buses, and, and then you can get more specifically and tag like the back door, the front door. Um, you know, you can really, really make. Um, a transit system incredibly accessible for pennies on the dollar what it, it, it compared to something like a beacon technology where you'd have to beacon all these things yep well like you said even that you know like for us in one of the SkyTrain stations you know trying to find the the phone to call yeah, an agent possible you'd be yeah like as a blind person i wouldn't know where it is i have no idea and that's where the fact that you could put these tags in all these spaces mm-hmm. and have them not conflict, yep. um, you know, is is really valuable. And that's not even considering the the whole language mm-hmm. barrier, um, right? That that we were talking about. You know, you've now you've made your transit system completely universal in terms of languages. Yeah. So I mean, it's really incredible. The more the more we sort of talked about it, 
the more impressed I got. Funny part about where we are accessibility wise is that here we are, you know, that we, we've, the, the technology gets created, but then it just sits there mm-hmm. and it's no good to anybody if, if no, nobody, if no cities sort of jump on board and, mm-hmm. and implement it, right? Um, you know, there's so many different things. I mean, we talked about, and, and then their name escapes me, but it was the, the technology that, that was able to go into like um, st- uh, crosswalks and stuff. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I wish I remember. There's way too there's far back. There's key to access. There's key a to access. That, that was them. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, brilliant technology, but unless cities sort of jump on board and implement them into the system, they're just sitting there. Well, and again, you know, how do you, as someone with a disability, find out what a city has implemented? You know, the city has to educate as well. Yeah, for sure. Right? So, you know, they may, you know, adopt something like NaviLens or, you know, right here beacons or whatever. But if the public doesn't know about it, then the technology is still just sitting there. But again, like even this NaviLens would be incredible for even just crosswalks. You know, it would, it would be far easier for, for someone to find the, the crosswalk and the crosswalk button. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know. The crosswalk button. Yeah. yeah. Nope. So simple. <laughs> well, that's the whole key to access thing, right? You'd yeah. be able to walk up to it and just with, with an app on your phone or even trigger it and not trigger but, it automatically. But again, simple like, Navi- like the, the real advantage that these guys have is that it's going to be cheap. Well, and the information yeah. it gives you, the directional information, the distance information. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, so yeah, that's, that's going to be interesting to follow up with those guys. So, uh, yeah. Hey, Ryan. Rob. Where can people find us? ATBanter.com. They can also drop us an email if they so desire at cowbell at ATBanter.com. And, you know, rumor has it that we're also available on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, yeah, I think that's it. That is it until they invent something new yeah, that's right. for the moment. So uh, stay tuned for that. All right. Well, I think that is going to about do it for us this week. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening in. And we will see everybody next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or call us toll free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com. Whoa, look at that. Master of the one take.